The following Dharma talk was given by Jody Hojin Kimmel at the Zen Center of New York City. Hojin Sensei is the abbot of the Zen Center and head priest at Zen Mountain Monastery. This talk, like all of our talks, is offered free of charge. If you would like to make a donation or find out more about our various programs, visit us online at zmm.org slash zcnyc. Thanks for listening. Good morning, everyone. Ah, nice to see you all here today to practice together the Buddha's Dharma. I wanted to start with a poem that I love by Pablo Neruda, a Chilean poet who wrote at a time of great revolution and turmoil in his country. And it wasn't something I had planned, but it came up for me this morning and I pulled it out to read to you. It's called Keeping Quiet by Pablo Neruda. Now we will count to 12 and we will all keep still. For once on the face of the earth, let's not speak in any language. Let's stop for one second and not move our arms so much. It would be an exotic moment without rush, without engines. We would all be together in a sudden strangeness. Fishermen in the cold sea would not harm whales, and the person gathering salt would not look at their hurt hands. Those who prepare green wars, wars with gas, wars with fire, victories, with no survivors, would put on clean clothes and walk about with their companions in the shade, doing nothing. What I want should not be confused with total inactivity. Life is what it is about. I want to no truck with death. If we were not so single-minded about keeping our lives moving, for once could do nothing. Perhaps a huge silence might interrupt this sadness of never understanding ourselves and of threatening ourselves with death. Perhaps the earth can teach us when everything seems dead and later proves to be alive. Uh, So this Anga, we are studying intimate language and how language can unite and how language can divide us, how it is subjective and can create a false sense of solidity and is this, can be the source of so much pain. Before I came into residency and, and knew about the monastery, actually, um, I was in the arts, still am, <laughs> And I went to a painting exhibition, and this woman had this painting. I just was so moved by it. It was these trees, an oil painting of trees. And she invited we befriend each other. Mine was actually a hallway that led to a bathroom um, that was lit up. The toilet was all lit up. The throne. <laughs> but we befriended each other, and she invited me to her house for dinner. And I was working on a painting before I left to go to her house for dinner. It was a 
large bottle that was very um, spacious and, and translucent, transparent, with a skeleton inside, larger than life, more like a six-foot, five skeleton. There was a bowl on the outside. And I kept staring at this painting, and something was, like, missing, and I just didn't know what to do. And I, I just, what happens is something just came up, and I just started writing Words, 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 radiating out in a circular all over this whole image. Just words, 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 words. And I was like, ah, okay. Cleaned up, went to dinner at her house. And we were talking about this, that, religion, politics. And she said, and I told her about my background in clay and the Japanese tradition and working with. Japanese potters and loving that aesthetic and that sort of spaciousness of and of of uh, creation and what's valued and and she said oh I want you to see this and she gave me a mountain record which is the journal from the monastery and the cover said Words, 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 in all different languages. And I was like, oh my God, like this just really hit home. Because what I was what I was feeling inside when I wrote that was this complexity of language and how it can unite or divide, how it solidifies things. And so I that's why I wrote that. I just wrote and then this this inner part that was much more absolute, sort of open and spacious. And so I was, I, I read my teach, who became my teacher, Dido Lori's writing in there, which set me on a path. He was describing the nature of the self as not being solid and fixed, and this question of what, who am I, what is the self, and um, so this this part about language and how it has these many sides to it, and often we can see how language, especially um, in the Zen tradition, can really break apart our limitations, shift us, expand us, give life, live words. And the Buddha realized and taught about the immense power of words, of speech, and how it can also be used to divide, to agitate, to confuse. In fact, several of the precepts, um, at least two, deal with speech. Do not lie. See the perfection. Do not speak of others' errors and faults. Realize self and other is one. Do not elevate the self and blame others. So he was, he was teaching about that. Intimate expression. To gather, turn, bring into compassion, shock, startle, heal. There are live words, there are loving words, turning words, dead words, words that bring us into boundlessness, 
vastness, spaciousness. And within intimate expression, we have mantras. Some we chanted this morning. We have words. We have teachings by metaphor. We have brush strokes. We have parables, similes that instruct and take us beyond our conceptual thinking through concepts, language that brings forth ideas to break through our ideas. How do we be free in language? How does language heal and not create harm? All of this is present in your great vehicle, in this great vehicle. And one of the three we, it's one of the three wheels of how we create karmas by body, by our body, how we use our body, how we use our speech, and how we use our thought. And sometimes those thoughts came out, come out, and sometimes we're just thinking of them. But they have reverberations. You know, just when we think something in a particular way, it's sending something out already. So that's why we're so, so much as um, attention is placed on our thought. What are we doing with our thoughts? Are they beneficial? Are they bringing us closer to happiness? Are they creating harm? How do we refresh the mind with the breath to when those negative thoughts come in sitting or harmful thoughts? How do we use our breath to open that up? It's not just sometimes we can have a mantra and and wish loving kindness or goodness. Sometimes we just use the breath to open our spaciousness again, to let go to see what we're holding, so we can let go. And then we're learning these lojong phrases or slogans, teachings. Um, These are, if you're new, these are um, from the Tibetan tradition. And they're kind of pithy sayings that we can hear the words, but then bring them alive in our embodiment. That's the hope, not that we hear we got a good slogan like don't be so predictable or don't vacillate or but that we actually take in what that means that word like kindness what does that how does that translate into embodiment sometimes we just start with the word i want i want kindness and then we got to like take that in and, and and like what is that what is that as an embodied truth so that's what these mantras and words do. How do we put it into service? Right? Bring it into ourselves so it moves through the body and the heart. As Dogen says, it reaches our inner chamber. <laughs> and let it radiate until the power of those words bring us in contact with our original state that we feel the words drop off. That's live words. And we're left in our original state. That's what good music does. It brings us through the emotion 
and we can land in our original state where it, it, if it drops away, everything drops away, and we're just left with that wholeness, like in any art. It just, we see it, or we hear it. We're left with something magnificent that it can be help us to release something that needs to be released, to bring up something that needs to be held so we can see what we're holding. There is a quote from Emily Dixon. Emily Dickinson, I often bring up this, where she says, I know nothing in the world that has as much power as a word. Sometimes I write one and I look at it until it begins to shine. And I think she's doing that process of embodiment. I think she puts down a word and she just stares at it and lets it radiate through her body and through her heart until she can use it in in a way that she wants to use it that serves, is in service. We all have the Buddha nature and that we continually work to awaken bodhicitta, which is awakening the heart and mind and body for this aspiration to be awake, enlightened, in the light, in the dark. Awaken the dark, in the light. Awakening the wisdom. Wisdom is translated prajna. Prajna is before knowing. Pra is before. Ajna is knowing. So before we know, that original state, before knowing, because then we start knowing, and the concepts come, and all our ideas. But the wisdom is in us before we speak, (laughs) before we add our knowing. And that's usually pretty good. It's our goodness, really. The before knowing is, is just, is, is for life. Into the vastness, into the unnamed, into no characteristics like the Heart Sutra. No eye, ear, nose, tongue, body, mind, no color, sound, smell. Into that state of consciousness. And then to bring that into our everyday encounters, which that's our basic nature. And it's there in a moment of your zazen. So if you just learned to sit and you were instructed to like put your attention on the breath and as it moves away, if you see it, you're involved in a narrative or a storyline or it's just all over, just keep letting go and returning to your breath as your anchor, developing the concentration. So inhale, one, exhale, two. And in that gap, there's, there's a gap there. That's it. That's, that's the spaciousness right there before the next breath comes. And we just keep, as you develop in your zazen, that it grows, it grows, that gap grows more and more. 
So this, these teachings are calling us into how we practice this body, this heart, and this mind. On this day, at this time, with these entanglements, with these... You can't go around it, you know. And at the same time, bringing ourselves, becoming aware of that. So this is the basic challenge of a mystic path that you just stepped into, whether it's your first time. You've already been on it. You just happen to show up here this morning. It's already been going on for you for a long time. And this is the razor's edge, I think, this, this knowing this non-knowing nature and then being in the world in matter, as matter, with all that we carry and bring. And that's, that's the two truths of our life, this absolute truth, this non-characteristic aspect, and then all our characteristics, <laughs> all our karma. And as we're sitting here, there's many places in the world that are in great peril. So the imperative comes that we remember these teachings are to be infused with all that we do. That we're doing this for ourselves, definitely. Which, if if we go deep enough, it it can't not be for others, because others are ourselves. That's the big problem. And what we realize is others are ourself. You can't, there's those two truths. You and I are the same thing in that absolute sense. And I'm not you and you're not me. That's there too. That's the beauty of the emptiness is it can have so much diversity. It's so beautiful that we can all be so different. But we forget that underlying basis. That's what, the fundamental misunderstanding. We're separate. Everything in here is me, and everything outside is something else. And in practice, that starts to dissolve. That's why it's so important to have a path, whether this is your one or not. And that in that practice that we're providing an example of living in this world in a way that is peaceful, is joyful and skillful, not proud or demanding, as the Karaniya Metta teaches us. We're doing it for those that cannot and don't have space, access, time, have learned a path that is not so peaceful, where there's fear, where there's harm. That's what they is learned. That this permeates our listening and studying these teaches, teachings and to appreciate how far and how many bodies have been through this in very hard times, warring times, and practiced. Practice to keep these teachings alive. In a pure, zazen, the posture of zazen contains all the precepts. All the moral and ethical teachings are right in our posture. Don't you meet it in a period? <laughs> Affirming life or killing life. Being giving, not being giving, withholding. 
we meet all the precepts, both all sides of ourself, the entirety of our being in this posture by looking in. Dogen says, actualizing the fundamental point, you realize the great road maintained by all Buddhas. You are like this, showing both sides. I am like this. Keep it well is revealed. That speaks to those two truths. You are like this. I am like this. Keep it well is revealed. When you know yourself, you know intimate action. Thus, Buddha ancestors can thoroughly actualize this intimate heart and intimate language. Intimate means close and inseparable. There is no gap. Intimacy embraces Buddha ancestors. It embraces you. It embraces the self. It embraces action. It embraces generations. It embraces merit. It embraces intimacy. Intimacy with fear is always so close. We're afraid of so many things. We've evolved to be afraid. So the good thing, like things that were easy, that wasn't in our nervous system so much, but the fear was. So that got past. So there's generations of, we know, running and scared. Text, um, don't treat fear all that much. Because mainly because I think there's so many different kinds of fear. Fear associated with greed, anger, and ignorance or delusion. But the texts focus more on the emotions behind the fears than on the fears themselves. So if we want to understand our fears, we have to understand the emotions behind them. We have to explore fear not as a single solid thing, but as a compound of many different factors. It's a, it's a tapestry. You know, sometimes I find myself saying, I'm afraid of, and it's like one thing. But then when I look, I'm like, no. Like, there's a whole, whole bunch of threads here in my emotions that go into this fear. And we can carefully study the self and what part of the fear is resting on greed on our passion, which part is sustained by our anger, these three poisons, to our aversion, and which part's based on our delusion, where we're not clear about our life, we're afraid. And when we can keep working with these underlying emotions, we can take care of fear better. If it's greed for something, there's the fear we're not going to get it. The fear that once we've gotten it, it's go- we're going to be deprived of it. If it's based on anger, we know that if a certain thing happens, it's going to hurt. We're going to suffer. We're averse to it, so we're afraid of it. It hurts. We know there's a pain there. And then there's the whole area of delusion and ignorance, what we don't know the great unknown out there. It can range anywhere from a ghost in the next room or in our closet under the bed, a strange person in this room. It's something, a sense that something's being required of us and we don't know what it is. 
lack of control. So much of our experience can seem like a huge void, something really alien. There's a big sense of fear that there may not be any purpose to this life, that it's pointless suffering. So we have to divide the different kinds of fears. We will need so much on the fear, but rather its root. And unless we dig down to those different factors, we don't know what kind of fear it is. We're just afraid. And we won't be able to get to the root. And we know weeds. We all know weeds. If you pull one of those guys up without getting to the root, comes back. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard to get to those roots. And, you know, you just want to go like, there, I got it. And you kind of say like, I got it, you know. But you know. You know you left a big chunk of it down low, which takes a bit of prying and a couple tools to really get to. So since the time of the Buddha, we have been offered the possibility to be liberated from false views and grow in this prajna wisdom and grow in compassion, that they go hand in hand. So once we experience the vastness and the interconnectedness, you can't help, as I was saying, but feel that connection that compassion naturally arises. They go hand in hand. Because just having prajna, just seeing things as, as empty of anything inherent or intrinsic, is cold. It's cold. We've got to warm it up with our connection, with our compassion to suffer with, to feel with, knowing that other part of the edge of the whole. So we need practices of mind training, heart training, body training to calm, dissolve the forces that cause us to harm ourselves and to harm others. You know, we speak of the world of samsara. Samsara is a state of lostness where we keep turning back to the causes of our suffering. We keep going back to the same thing. So it's often said it's like a hamster on a wheel, this, when we keep returning to the, doing the same sufferings over and over, we just don't see it. And we continue to live in the midst of conflict. So how do we practice in a samsaric world where we're trying to cut a new path, new neuropathways in our mind? That's why having a path Having practices for peace, to be peace, is essential. So on the evening when I heard the situation going on in Israel and Palestine and Gaza, I sat in Zazen that evening to um, hold the world, hold myself in that peace. It's a very complex situation. And I'm not going to even, I can't even talk about it because I don't know very much myself about it. But just the question came to me about just the different, I have a, you know, 
the different ways that we breathe into expression, how we learn to breathe into our expressions. And this is a situation that has very, very complex karma, causes and effects. We're seeing cause and effect. As I said, I know very little about. And we see it's not, it's in this situation, and there's many wars going on, continuing. And we just see that human suffering and harm arises again and again and again, what we do to each other. Fear has been passed down generation after generation. And there are many horrific, unkind situations going on all the time. We just don't see and hear about them all. We can't point to one person. We can't point to one group. We can't even point to a beginning cause. What we can do is recognize what's happening now. We can recognize what's happening. We can listen. We can offer presence. We can stay in our heart and meet it with loving kindness. And with this recognition, rather than take sides, like the Faith Mind poem says, the great way is not difficult. Just avoid picking and choosing. When love and hate are both absent, the way is clear and undisguised. So rather than take sides, donating to this or that side, or sharing images of great violence going on, this can be a moment for stopping. Like Neruda said, let's stop waving our hands so much. Let's not speak in any language. Let's stop for one second, not move our arms so much. We would all be together in a sudden strangeness. This can be a moment for really humbling ourselves about the seriousness of this body and mind experience with each other on this planet. How we have been given a precious human life. The choir is, you'll hear, is going to be singing Shanti Deva's Way of the Bodhisattva. And one of my favorite lines is, let's see if I can chant it for you. May even act of harm, acts of harm, help the violent to awaken. May they come to know each and every joy until free from pain. May I be life for all beings throughout the ends of space. May even acts of harm help the violent to awaken. May they come to know each and every joy. We recognize that we are in a situation that is sensitive and vulnerable, and we're never fully in control. There are many things that require our authenticity, that require our depth, that require our mindfulness, our presence, our compassion, our skills as meditation practitioners. 
where we can be aware of something and not lost in it. And give that. Give that. We can experience suffering, experience fear, experience anxiety, experience loss, and can offer peace. We can offer safety. We can offer remembering nonviolence. We can stop, open more and more. Like I said this morning in Zazen, stop our own war. Stop the war inside ourselves. That's a big step. And we do it at the same time. Although it may seem like a small act that we're gathered here together in this zendo to sit down together and by ourselves on our little mats, it's what we can do. And if there's more that you know is in your power, you can do that. My teacher used to say, know where your power is. Know where you're effective. We can be mindful and presence with what is. And what we can do is take this intense suffering situation and use it to establish ourselves as a peaceful dwelling, to be a peacemaker. Be that. Be that. What is that word, peace, in your embodiment? That peaceful dwelling. Sit with it. Bring it on to show ourselves and the world which, what we are, that which we are. This is the practice of, of compassion, of suffering with. Establish ourselves as that loving friendliness. Work small with who you're meeting. It's right there. Don't go to war. The practice of being community from a position of not someone, that we are not a permanent boundary line, that we cannot be confused about the, that we can not be confused about the nature of our thoughts, the nature of our body and mind. We can be a true person of great strength. We can see there is nothing to be clung to, nothing to be grasped onto, nothing to be made into a weapon, not to be defended, but keep widening, widening, heartening out, radiating, radiating kindness over the entire world, upwards and unbounded, all directions listening, offering presence, staying in our heart, meeting with love and kindness. And even though we're not there in Israel, in Palestine, in Gaza, in Russia, in Ukraine, or wherever the place, the troubled places that we land, this awareness of the lands, we each have different capabilities to empathize 
we know it's serious, and we can bring up our seriousness to practice it, to value human life, and see through all the complicated, non-practical thinking. Just be and show up. In our heart, we can, and in our mind, which is so powerful, it's, it's so powerful what, what it puts out and what it, its thoughts. We can go there to that, any landmass in our mind. We can go to the children there. We can go to the sound of bombs, the fear of what is yet to come, and be willing to embrace that, not separate from it. Be the peacemaker. Be the caretaker. Imagine everything finishing, beginning anew. Imagine non-suffering. Place that over the land. Non-suffering, finishing in that way. To sit with anyone and invoke the power of invocation and When you say that, and when you put your mind there, to feel the warmth of that. Feel the warmth of that, of doing that. Not the idea. Let it warm you. And within, if your mind wanders, bring it back. Expand it, the warmth beyond your extremities, as you hold peoples and places in mind. Widen out, expand. It doesn't have to be designated. It can be just all-inclusive everywhere, not to a specific area, so that we can embody the very things that others are really in need of and maybe can't get to right now. We can do that. So I wanted to end with just a little silence for a moment, just to breathe in all this and um, chant the four abidings, the four immeasurables. May all beings be free from suffering and the root of suffering. May all beings no happiness and the root of happiness. May all beings live in sympathetic joy, rejoice in the happiness of others. May all beings live in equanimity with a non-biased view and peace. So let's just settle into ourself and let these words radiate into our being. Open ourself now in our heart, if you want it to be in a specific area, but just to let your breath move through the tension and open and feel the warmth of kindness, of compassion. 
Let it radiate inwards and outwards, wherever you can make contact. Thank you for listening. To find out more about the Zen Center of New York City's programs, retreats and residency, please visit our website at zmm.org slash zcnyc.